Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Ephesians chapter 2, if you'll go back there. Ephesians chapter 2, we started last Sunday morning a new series called Fully Equipped for What's Ahead. The reason I said what's ahead, because I'm not just including 2023. I'm including all that's coming into the relationship of our future before the return of Christ, before the return of Jesus. And a part of what really got this all started for me uh, was some scripture God had already been speaking to my heart about as it relates to the sower. And in the midst of that, on a Wednesday night a couple weeks ago, which I shared that uh, message with everybody, even in the church, I texted it out to you. If you're not on our texting system, you should let me know if you want to get on our texting system. But I even texted out a link where you could listen to that word, about an eight-minute word from God. I'll tell you, you know, if you, if you weren't here, you want to hear it because if you're part of this church family, God was trying to speak to you. And... In the midst of that word, this was the first thing God dealt with us in relationship to that word. The most critical thing, most critical thing for the last day's believer, above everything else, will be whether they make God's house a priority or not. Whether they're coming to get the seed of God's word sown into their heart. Now, we got that word on a Wednesday night. On the Friday afterwards, in the mail, comes Dr. Barclays, I predict. True prophet of God has been doing this for years as God directs him and sharing it with the body. Amazing to go back now, right? Look at the ones previous years. I've got them all. And to see how things have come to pass. And lo and behold, number two, because it's not Pastor Barclay saying it. It's not Pastor Baker saying it. It's what the Spirit's saying to the church. Lo and behold, on the prophecy, uh, I, I predict, uh, and beyond prophecy preview 20, 2023, number two, I predict that we will have to fight spiritually like never before. Right. Guess what you're going to have to do in the last of the last days? Right. Fight spiritually like never before. You know, it's part of, what, <clears throat> part of what he said last night, which a lot of people have asked him, you know, are demons more ferocious? Are they more, you know, are they stronger today? Or they, No. Absolutely not. The problem is Christians are getting more lax in their walk with God. So it just seems like they are, but they're really not. But one thing Satan does know, his time is short, and he's going to ramp up everything he can to the highest degree that he can. The problem now is, is now he has more and more and more of the world on his side. More of the government systems, more of the political system, schools, etc., etc. If you were here last night, you heard about that. So we're seeing what the Bible prophesied would happen in the last of the last days. Well, because of him getting more control within the actual elements of the world itself, guess what that creates for you? That creates a stronger spiritual warfare for you to deal with. Because again, even as it relates to Texas and being in the Bible Belt, we're seeing things in this area of Texas that I never would have dreamed of. The city of Roanoke, some time back, had a drag queen festival right downtown in the city of Roanoke. Actually trying to get kids to come, had a bunch of kids there, etc. In Roanoke, in a Bible Belt community, we allowed a drag queen group to come in publicly and to actually have this big thing they did out on the streets and to be able to obviously flaunt their lifestyle before everybody and to try to draw kids into that. Now, I'm going to tell you what, folks, this is what he means. I want you to... 
I want you to get it. This is, this is number two. Well, number one, he's, yeah, going to pursue our children because the Bible said he would. Number two, again, I predict we will have to fight spiritually like never before. Not because demons are more ferocious, but because more of the society is caving into it. More of the society is giving into it. Look at transgenderism today. Look at the whole thing now. We're not even supposed to call somebody a male or female. Well, let me help you. Whatever God made you, that's what I'm going to call you. Whether you like it or not, you don't have to like it. But that's what I'm going to call you. I'm not going to fall for your lie and your deception. I'm not going to be mean to those people because doing so doesn't help them at all. They're deceived. They're bound by deception. We're not... And quote unquote anti that person, we're anti their lifestyle. God wants to win their heart, bring them out of that deception. But my point is now, I mean, it's rampant in America. You know, if you go back, anybody, you know, my age in the 60s, go back to when you were in your 20s and 30s, would have ever dreamed you're seeing stuff that you're seeing today. So this is what he's saying. He's saying that you're going to have to fight spiritually like never before. Why? Because the darkness has increased on the earth. And so if you don't take that serious about having to fight spiritually, guess what's going to happen? That darkness will overtake believers who don't know and are not prepared how to deal with that stuff, how to be able to stand strong against it. Amen. Amen. Notice he goes on to say, in supernatural prayer at the altars and during worship services, and the last part of number two, church attendance will be the medicine for all things. Church attendance will be the medicine for all things. So, as I told you last week, God already had a plan for your life before you were born. God has already planned what He desires for you in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026. How I many know He's got a good plan? The problem is we have many plans as well. The Bible says there's many plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's plan that stands. So you know what that means? You and I have many plans about our life. I had a plan. I had a plan to be a world champion bull rider. I had a plan from the time I was 13 years old. That's what I wanted to be. That plan didn't come to pass. Well, I guess evidently somehow God must have missed it. No, that was never God's intention for me. That wasn't what he had for me. That was just my plan. I pursued it for 16 years of my life till I found out that wasn't God's plan. A lot of people talk about things they wanted to do when they were little. That don't mean it's God's plan today. You got to know what God has a plan for you today and recognize that he already prepared a way for you to walk in it. Amen. So God already has a place for you to walk in a pathway of preparation of what's coming down the, the pike in the future for you to walk in victory as a child of God. Ephesians 2.10 tells you this. We are his workmanship, those who are born again. We're created in Christ Jesus for what? We're created for good works. What were you created for as a born again believer? Good works. We were created for good works. Watch this. Very clearly it says, which God prepared beforehand. God prepared this beforehand that we should walk in them. The good works meaning what? Well, obviously that which is good for us, good for him, good for our life, and therefore fulfilling his pur purpose and plan for us. Say, God prepared a path for me to walk on. So I'm going to help you understand how you can be prepared to be fully equipped for what's ahead, to walk in this pathway God has for you. In the Amplified Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you got born again, you got recreated. Brand new. Born anew, it goes on to say. That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. I love this in the Amplified. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. God has a pathway for you to walk on that he already prepared. Amen. But you got to get fully equipped to be able to walk out what God has prepared for you ahead. Amen? Amen? 
He goes on to say that we should walk in them, ready, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Amen. The good life doesn't mean everything you want to do. When people think the good life is, oh yeah, I get everything I want. Everything you want may not be of God. Uh, what I wanted again of a world championship uh, as a bull rider was not God's plan for my life. If I would have been chasing that, I wouldn't be here as a pastor helping you. I wouldn't be preaching the gospel. I wouldn't be fulfilling God's purpose for my life. So you got to realize God already planned a good plan for your life. It's a pathway he chose ahead of time. But you got to do what? You got to now get equipped by God to carry out that plan. So realize if we're not equipped to do what's obviously prepared for us ahead of time, how are we going to walk that out? We're not. Now I want you to go with me to, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And as you're turning there, <clears throat> I would love to re-preach last week's message, but I won't. But again, what we talked about last week was point number one. How many want to be prepared for what's ahead? Yes. Point number one, don't make church optional. Don't make church optional. Why? We talked to you out of the book of Luke, even referred to the book of Mark chapter 4, and uh, also the references to Luke about the parable of the sower. This is an absolute. Galatians chapter 5, we talked about what Galatians 5 said to start off with. Galatians 5 says that whatever a man sows, he will reap. You're not going to make a mockery of God. He goes on to talk about there in the Greek rendering refers to the fact that when you're born again, how many know you still have a fleshly nature to deal with? So really, you have in your life two fields to sow into. You have a fleshly nature field to sow into or a spiritual nature field to sow into. The spiritual nature is the new you. The more you sow into that spiritual nature, the more of the Zoe life of God you reap. The more you get on the path God has for your life. But the less of those seeds you sow in your life, the less harvest of that you're going to get in your future. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap more corruption. You have two fields to sow into. Which ones are you sowing into the most? Are you sowing in your fleshly nature or your spiritual nature? So what the whole context of the parable of the sower is, is that you, if you want to get the harvest God has for your life, that good plan, how's it going to come? Where's that life actually located at? The seed of God's word. The seed of God's word is what goes in the ground, grows up in you, it produces in you the ability to have faith, the ability to know God's will, the ability to face stuff that comes and know exactly what to do when it happens, you're now walking out God's plan. Without the seed, no harvest. You want to harvest a Zoe life? I said, you want to harvest a Zoe life? That was about half of you now. Do you want to harvest of Zoe life? Life as God has it, the plan he has for you, you can't get it without a sower in your life who's not sowing philosophy or tickling people's itching, itching ears. But you got to sow the seed. If you're not sowing the seed, guess what you're sowing into? The fleshly nature. And that's going to reap corruption. So there's only one way that you get a continual harvest of what God has for your life. And that's by sitting under the preached word. Amen. Period. There is no other way. I've, I've quoted this verse so many times, people think I wrote this verse. Like people thought, Brother Hagin wrote, you know, Mark, uh, you know, Mark 11, 23, which he didn't, God did. A lot of people think I wrote this verse. Hebrews 10, 24, do not forsake assembling together. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Wonder why? I'm going to tell you why. Because God wants more seed in your life. He wants more harvest for you down the road of what he has for your life. If you're not sitting under the sowing of the word... You're not going to be prepared for what's going to come. Yeah. You're just not. There's no way you're going to have the harvest available for what you're going to need for what's going to come down the pike. Amen? 
Because the only way you get that harvest, according to the book of Luke, according to Mark chapter 4, all the context of what the Bible reveals about the, the quote-unquote the parable of the sower, Jesus said again, if you don't understand this parable, forget about anything else the Bible has to say. Why? Why? Because if you don't understand the significance of having a sower sowing the seed in your life, if you don't think that's important, do you think you're going to sit under the preached word? Nope. Then it doesn't matter what else God has to say. Because none of that seed will ever get planted. Amen. And that's why I said, if you don't understand this parable, you'll not understand any parables because you won't be here to receive them. Right. You won't be here to get that seed planted in your life. So you've got to understand, number one, if you want a harvest of what God has for your future that he planned. If you do, let me see your hand if that be you. So if you want a harvest of what God has planned for your future, there's only one way. You got to stay in the house of God and you got to make it a priority. Because every time the word is preached, guess what I'm doing right now? I'm the sower. Guess what I'm doing? If I'm telling you God's word and saying what God's word says, I'm throwing seed out. And that's falling on different people's hearts in relationship to the ground they have. And if you're good ground, guess what it does? It produces. So this isn't a teaching on the parable of the sower. This is an emphasis of things we've taught on for years of stuff you need to make a part in your life. So number one, you better not make church optional if you want to walk the pathway God has for you. Because the reason, you know, I've had so many people tell me I don't need to go to church. Well, honestly, you do in the sense of what you think. But the truth is, in one technical term, no, because you are the church. You are the church. But you're supposed to have a pastor. That's why God gave you a shepherd. I pointed this out. You know, God doesn't do anything in, in the context of what he does without significance. Anything recorded in the Bible is there in, in its context for a significant purpose. To reveal something to us, the reader. To hear from God what he's saying. Okay? I asked this question of a minister the day. He couldn't answer the question. I mean, he probably thought about it long enough. Maybe he could have. But like he hesitated forever. I didn't have, you know, a half hour to wait on the phone to get the answer. So I asked him a question. I said... After Jesus was born, say after. after, not before, after Jesus was born, after he was now birthed in, in Bethlehem, baby in Bethlehem, sitting there, who was the first person that Gabriel was sent to reveal the birth of Jesus to? Thank you. See, that pastor couldn't even answer that question. First person that, that Gabriel went to after Jesus was born was who? Wasn't the wise men. They already knew about it. They were already on their way. He now reveals the salvation of all mankind to who? Shepherds. You want to know why? Because Jesus, the one who's born, is going to give you shepherds. So that they can feed you and help you know this Jesus and walk with God. And therefore, guess what the greatest thing is you need after salvation? A shepherd. A shepherd. That's your priority in life is to find that shepherd. Because once you do, guess what God has on that mouth of that shepherd? The seed of God's word you need. Guess what God knows? He knows what you're going to face next week, next month, next year, if the Lord tarries. I don't know. I'm just telling you. He already knows. And therefore, he'll give you to that shepherd what you need. What if I'm not there to hear it? Don't blame God. Because God provided the seed to sow. Amen? You got to keep your heart good ground. And if you're good ground, what are you going to do? You're going to reap a harvest. So number one, if you want to walk out and prepare for what God has for your future, if you keep making church optional, you're going to miss out because you're not going to have the harvest available when the time comes. First Corinthians chapter two. One last word I'll say on that. It's amazing to me how many people know. I mean, they can quote this verse, you know, forwards and backwards, you know, upwards and down every way possible. How does faith come? Wow. No, almost everybody knew that. How does faith come? How much faith do you think you're going to need if spiritual, and ba spiritual battles increase in the last days? 
How much trust do you think you're going to need in God? Well, guess what? You need more church then. Because less church means what? You don't, you don't give faith by reading the Bible. There's no verse that says faith comes by reading. It says it comes by hearing. How did people have faith in Jesus to do what he did? They heard what he had to say. They, the Bible over and over again, the gospel says they came to hear and be healed. Hearing brought faith in their heart to receive the healing. Can I get a better amen? You can't give faith any other way. How many of you here were last Sunday, not trying to embarrass anybody, made it last Sunday? Some of you might not have been able to make it. If you here were last Sunday, guess what? You got faith last Sunday. But that's not the faith that's going to help you today for your tomorrows this week. Faith doesn't come by what you heard last Sunday. That was for last Sunday. Faith comes by what you're hearing today. All right, moving on. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can tell I want to preach on that, but I'm going to tell you why. Because the Spirit of God is really emphasizing this. Christians literally who take going to church lightly will face darkness and not be able to overcome it. They will not have the faith necessary. They will not have the answers necessary. The actual truth is, uh, you know, now the Holy Spirit keeps dealing with me on this. So I, I mentioned this last night at the end of our, of, uh, end of our uh, webinar with Pastor Barclay. How many know about the parable of the virgins? Right. How many were there? Ten. ten virgins. Jesus gave the parable, right? So ten virgins. How many were wise? Five. How many were foolish? Five. I challenge as a believer, I challenge people that teach the word, you want a good sermon? I'll give you, I'll let you, I'll let you preach it. I'll let you preach it before I preach it. You can preach this sermon. Don't be a foolish virgin. Go through all the Bible and find every verse that talks about foolish people and what they do. Because who the Bible calls foolish, they're a foolish virgin. Don't do that. Don't do that. Guess what foolish virgins knew all along? After the rapture occurred, the five wise are gone. You listening? The five wise, they're all virgins, they're all born again. The five wise are gone. Rapture takes place. Now we're going to enter into three and a half years of tribulation. Does that mean those foolish lost their salvation? No, but they're going to face hell like they've never seen before. Many be martyred for their faith, beheaded, killed. I ain't going to be here, folks. You want to hang out and play around with that? That's your choice, but it ain't going to be me. It ain't going to be your pastor. I'm going to take everybody I can with me in the rapture. I'm going to be ready in Jesus' name. One of the ten things Pastor Barclay gave last night, God spoke to him to the church, you better be ready for the rapture and stay ready. So realize those five wise virgins were ready. They were caught up. The the five uh, foolish virgins were left behind, right? And guess what? All of a sudden they're like, hey, Lord, wait a minute, you left us. But isn't it amazing? They knew where to go get that extra oil all along. Because the truth is, if you got beyond a Christian's head, that doesn't make church a priority and got to their heart, every believer knows the significance of going to God's house. In their heart, they know it. They won't admit it if they don't want to live that way. Their head's got to dictate them to live a different direction and to to discount Scripture. But I'm going to tell you right now, every one of those foolish virgins knew right where to go. Why didn't they? They were foolish. Can I help you? Don't be a foolish virgin. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's move on to point number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Don't worry, that wasn't all review. I wanted to share some more of that with you. I want you to see this. This is powerful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom, Paul said here to the Corinthian church. We speak wisdom among those who are mature. 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 How much wisdom will a believer receive? It depends on their maturity. The more they mature, the more wisdom they get. Wisdom is the principal thing the Bible says. That's right. What is wisdom really, Pastor, in relationship to what wisdom is? Basically, how do I understand what wisdom is? 
It's to know what to do. It's to know what understanding means. I know what the Bible says. I need to know about a situation. Wisdom says this is how you do it. Wisdom gives you an understanding how to carry out, walk out, do what you need to do. That's why wisdom is so critical. Imagine every situation you face if you have the wisdom of God. If you have the wisdom of God, you know just what to do. It don't matter what the situation is. You listening? But this only comes to those who are mature. What if I'm not? You can mature pretty quick. You can grow pretty quick if you're really wanting to. Notice this. He said, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Listen carefully. Yet not the wisdom of this age. Now, the word age is kind of blind to us in that translation. What do you mean the wisdom of this age? Talking about the world. Talking about worldly wisdom. What the world says. world says one thing. God says the total opposite. So what Paul just said is we're not giving you wisdom that the world gives. You don't need to follow the thinkers of the world to get wisdom. Their wisdom may not be anywhere in line with God. Are you listening? The wisdom you want is from God. How many know God knows more than anybody on the planet? So he says, we're not sharing with you. We're not talking about a wisdom that is of this world, of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, those who are even in high position, who are coming to what? Nothing. Verse 7, but we speak. This is Paul. This is Paul, one of the apostles who's writing this letter, who we now get to read these words from God. And he said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. What was, what was Paul really speaking? What God told him to say. So what was Paul really speaking? What God said. What, God, what Paul was sharing was what God had to say. So really, you can interpret that verse to say, we're speaking the wisdom of God in a mystery, or in other words, in a form of a hidden truth, because we are only speaking what God says to us. We're not speaking what man says. We're not telling you what the world says. We're not even trying to figure this out with our own brain. We're telling you what God is saying to us. That's what he's saying in verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God, but he speaks it what? In a mystery, in a hidden truth. We learned about this last week, about the parable of the sower. Is God trying to hide anything from you of understanding? Not at all. Not at all. Why do you say we speak it in a context of a mystery or hidden truth? It's only a mystery or hidden truth to the immature believer. It's not to the mature. The mature believer will get a hold of it. The mature believer growing in their walk with God will continue to develop and understand things as God wants them to understand. Think about no different. You see this in the natural. What you see in the natural is true of the spiritual. As a child begins to grow, are you going to share with things with them at the age of two that they need to know when they're 20? No, you're going to share different things with them when they're 20 than when they're two because they've grown up some more. Now they need some more wisdom. Well, the same is true with God. God increases the wisdom as you grow in God. So he goes on to say here in verse 8, notice this, which none of the rulers of this age had known. Those of the rulers of Paul's day, none of them knew about this wisdom of God. How do we know? For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, they're talking about Jesus' crucifixion, why he died, why he was crucified, why he was raised from the dead. But guess what? He's saying if the rulers of this world would have had the wisdom of God knowing that Jesus was going to die, they wouldn't have been the ones to crucify him. You listening? They wouldn't have been the ones to do that. But they didn't act upon the wisdom of God. They acted upon the wisdom of God of man, what they wanted. Now, God used it for his purpose, but the point I'm making is that wasn't from God. That was the wisdom of man. Look at verse 9. But as it is written, this is what I want to get to. You ready? Circle, highlight, or underline this whole verse. 
As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Look at the last part of the verse. Underline that, that statement there. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. God has things prepared for you. Amen. Who on the planet does God not love? Nobody. He loves the whole world. Guess what he's got? He's got things prepared for everybody who what? Will in turn turn around and love him back. For those who will love him, he's already got stuff prepared for them. Tell your neighbor, God's already got stuff prepared for you. Notice what he said though. But eye hasn't seen it, ear hasn't heard it, nor has entered into the heart of man. Not the quote unquote spirit of man, the heart of man, the human. In other words, what he's telling you here in verse 9 Even though God has prepared these things for those who love him, they can't know it by natural means. They can't know it just with their natural brain. You listening? You can't know it just through natural means. The eye, the ear, and the quote-unquote heart of man. Not the spirit of man, but the heart of man. So what he's saying is the stuff God's prepared for you, he wants to reveal. But guess what? It don't come through natural ways. It doesn't just come through your brain. You need to get your mind renewed to the Bible, who you are. But it's through the Spirit you're going to see these things come alive. Watch this, verse 10. But God has revealed them to, how? God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Underline it. So how does God reveal what He has prepared for us? He does it through His Spirit. Say this, my God will reveal everything He prepared for me through His Spirit. So the question is, though, how does He do that? So how does he do that? So he clearly tells me in this verse, he's got stuff prepared for me and you. Say amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. So he got stuff prepared for me and you. And by the way, we just read over there again in Ephesians 2. It's good. So he's got good stuff prepared for my life. But the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to reveal to me these things. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to reveal to me my healing's already bought and paid for. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to reveal to me what I need to do tomorrow. What I need to do to prepare for my next year, my following years, if I'm still here, how to raise my babies, what I need to do with my marriage, what I need to do with my job, what I need to do with my business. God has the ability to reveal all these things to us, but he does it how? Through his spirit. So how does he do that? We'll come back to that. Read on. For the spirit searches what? All things. Meaning what? There's nothing he doesn't know about. I said, there's nothing he doesn't know about. The Holy Spirit's God. I mean, you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit knows everything God the Father knows and everything God the Son knows. God the the Son and God the Holy Spirit only don't know one thing that God knows, according to the Bible. That's the only thing that they don't know. They don't know when Jesus is coming back. There's no other verse that says they have any lack of understanding of anything of God. That's the only thing the Bible says God has set in his own order and time. He's the only one that knows about it. But the Holy Spirit, again, notice this. He searches all things, verse 10. Yes, what? The deep things of God. Now, deep doesn't mean weird or flaky or, you know. No, we're talking about every aspect of your life. Not just surface level stuff, but everything of your life. Praise God. Verse 11, notice this. What man knows, therefore, what man knows the things of a man except what? The spirit of the man which is in him. Nobody can know of what's really in another person except that person himself. Even so, guess what? In like manner, no one knows the things of God except who? So the only way you're going to know what God has for you is through the Spirit of God. He has been given to help you know all things that God has prepared for your life. 
Again, I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to answer it, but I'm going to ask the question, so how does he do that? How does the Spirit do this? So don't, don't think you know the answer right off the top of your head. We're going to see from the Bible what the Bible is going to teach us about this. But if you want to be prepared for what's ahead, how many know you're going to have to know how to hear from the Holy Spirit what God's already prepared for you? If you don't know how, then how are you going to be able to receive what God has? You're not. So he goes on to say, notice this, very important, notice this. He says in verse 12, listen, you ready? Now we have received, so that'd be me. He's writing to believers, of course, born again. We've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So you've already got him. Watch this, underline it. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Man, you missed a great opportunity to shout amen. I'm going to give you another shot. I won't read it as slow this time. We have this spirit of God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Amen. Why do we have the spirit of God? That we might know. That we might know. Know everything God prepared beforehand for my life. Everything God's already set up for me. God already knows the battles and challenges that I will face in my future. And God already knows what he set up for me to walk in for my future. See, don't just think a plan is just walking in everything you think is wonderful, lovely, and great. Because guess what? I guarantee you God had a plan for David's life. That plan included killing a Goliath. That plan included facing a Goliath so that he could deliver the children of Israel. I guarantee you if David would have planned planned out his life, he probably didn't think, I know God within the good plan of my life has a Goliath ahead of me. But you know what? God had an answer for that Goliath. Because David knew God, David walked with God, God God gave David the answer before he ever got there. When he showed up, Goliath was already a done deal. And see, if you don't walk in relationship to being fully equipped for what's ahead, you'll miss out on being prepared for what's coming down the pike. Because it ain't just about walking in what God wants you to walk in as a believer. And obviously in relationship to what he has for you to live out and enjoy in your life. But how about what he has for you to do? How about for the battles he knows you're going to face? The Bible's clear. God's all-knowing. God knows the end from the beginning. I wish Christians did. I'll let that sit on you for a minute. I said, I wish Christians did. We do, because the Bible tells us. We should know what the end tells us about. We should, and if we do, we should prepare. So if I know what the things the Bible tells me is true about the end of what's coming, I should be prepared. I should get really close to God because God already knows what I'm going to face. God already knows what I'm going to need. God already knows how to bring provision. God already knows how to bring answers. God already knows how to bring deliverance. So clearly I have this spirit to help me to understand all these things that have been given, me, given to me by God. 13, these things we also speak, what we're talking about right now. This whole context of being having available to you, being revealed to you, the things God prepared for you to walk in. So he goes on on this same context and says, these things we also speak, watch, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. We didn't get this by us just thinking it up. Right. We didn't just come up with this conclusion or reasoning in our mind that maybe this would be true. No. He said, where did we get this? We are speaking, notice, again, we don't speak these things in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, underline it, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Underline that phrase right there. So if you want to walk in relationship to what God has for your life, if you want to know and and be fully equipped for what is coming in the future, And be ready to walk out not only what God has planned for you, but also face things and know what to do. If you want to do that, guess what you got to do? You ready? 
You ready? This I got. You got to. what I got to get this point across to you today. All this other stuff is cool, but none of it means anything if you don't get this. You have to learn to receive from this spirit who wants to help you. You have to learn to be able to discern spiritual things spiritually. Amen. Not with your head. You could think one thing about Scripture and be dead wrong. Many people have. But when you know according to the Spirit of God and your spirit what God's saying, you'll never be wrong. How do I know? God's never wrong. If I know by the Spirit of God what God is saying to me spiritually, to my spirit, and the only way I'm going to know that is spiritually. You are not going to know God's plan for you through your head. God will use your brain to work along with what he can reveal to your spirit. But he's not. Listen to me. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. You ready? God's a spirit. Oh, pastor, I know that. Well, think about it. He's not a brain. He's not a mind. Guess how he's not going to reveal these things? Through your mind. Why? He's not a mind. He's not a body. He has one. Jesus does. But he's not a body. Say he's not a body. Neither are you. You're not a body. So because he's not a body, guess what he's not going to do? He's not going to reveal these things to your body. Right. Quit going and looking for outward signs. Well, God, if you would just show me as I drive down the road, three red cars passes by, I'll just know I've heard from God. That is not judging spiritual things with spiritual. Yeah. You're going by the natural. Right. Guess who can lead you down that pathway? Satan says, no problem. i got plenty of sinners on the road right now. I can find me three sinners that are driving red cars and bring it right down your road and lead you right down the path I want you to take. Mercy. Are you listening? Yeah, but Gideon put out a fleece, Old Testament, and God wasn't happy about it. He permitted it only to be able to deal with what he had to deal with in Gideon's day, but Gideon wasn't born again. You are. You now have a spirit within you to know God's plan and God's preparation for your life. God will not reveal his plans to your brain. He needs to get your mind renewed and in agreement with it. How's he going to reveal it to your spirit? Read it again. Verse 13. The things we're speaking to you are not in words which man's wisdom teaches. It didn't come by our brains. But which the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a mind. He's a spirit. But which the Holy Spirit teaches. How? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. How is God going to reveal to me what he's prepared for me? He's going to reveal them by the Spirit. He's going to reveal them through the Spirit, and he's going to reveal them to your spirit. Who you really are. If you're not born again, the Bible's foolishness to you as you're about to see. Bible's foolishness to people who aren't born again. But guess what? He's writing to believers. It's also foolishness to people governed by their flesh. People who are governed by their flesh, their human reasoning... Come on, folks. We saw this with Jesus' disciples all the time. Who was Jesus governed by? Who was Jesus governed by? Holy Spirit. Obviously, through the Father giving direction to the Holy Spirit, how did Jesus know what to do? The Father revealed to the Holy Spirit what he was supposed to do, and he obeyed the Father. Right? So realize Jesus got this through the context of the Holy Spirit to his spirit man to know what to do. Isn't that right? So Jesus goes and obeys God, and he comes out one day, and here's 5,000 people that are hungry and need food, and they have no food. So let me tell you what your natural reasoning brain says. There's no way we can feed these people. But God says to feed them. See, if you're going to go by your brain, you're going to miss out God's pathway for your life. You listening? 
We don't get the things of God by natural reasoning. We got to hear in our spirit what God is saying. Everybody loves to see the miracles, but very few do because they won't follow what the Spirit directs them to do. Amen? Amen. So obviously in the mean minds of the, of the disciples, as, the, as Jesus is telling them, what do you got? What do you got to feed them? Well, you know, a few fish, some, a handful of loaves over it. Well, go get them. Okay. I don't know how he's going to do this. How, boy, I'm telling you what, you took 5,000 people. I mean, can you imagine how little the bread pieces are going to be? Can you imagine how small? I mean, we just got a little boy's lunch here. This is all we got. But he said, go get it. See, how many know Jesus had no concern about what to do there? And I'm going to tell you why. Because he wasn't operating out of his brain. He already knew in his spirit what God told him to do. And when you know what God tells you to do, guess what it will do? It will go contrary to your little brain. And so God tells him, now get them all set down. Get them all the numbers nice and organized. And here's what you're going to do, boys. I'm going to offer this up to God and give thanks for it. And you're going to take it and go feed them. Huh? Yeah, you're going to go take and go feed them. Some of you, how the look on your face right now is like the look they had. Huh? How's he going to do that? Let's see, again, if you're going to operate out of your brain, you're going to miss out on what God has prepared for your future. You've got to learn to follow the Spirit of God through your spirit, man. You've got to know how God is going to reveal things to you through your spirit, man. You've got to know how he's going to do that. Because that's how he's going to reveal to you all things he has prepared for your future. Any amens on that? Amen. Verse 14, the natural man. This is why he goes on to define this. The natural man, the carnal man, you still have one. The fleshly side of you does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Your brain cannot hear from God. I don't care what you say. He just told you your brain cannot hear from God. Your spirit can. That's what you are. You're a spirit. You live in a body. You have a soul. And you can reveal to your mind and your, and your, and your brain what your spirit is, what you, your spirit man knows. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. Why? Because he, notice this, to, uh, nor can he know them. Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why. Because they're only discerned. Here's another way to say that in verse 14. The things of God are only discerned or known. Discern means made known. They're only made known to your spirit man. They're spiritually discerned. They're only going to be made known to your spirit, man. God's not a... I, I, I'll never forget, man, hearing... I think it was uh, maybe Wigglesworth the quote came from, but I'd hear, I'd hear Brother Hagin say it all the time. God's not a mind. God's not a body. Therefore, God's not speaking to your body. God's not speaking to your mind. He's speaking to your spirit. He's a spirit being. He's relating to your spirit. So if you want to walk in what God has for you, do you? You better learn how to get a hold of this to figure out how's God going to lead me down into my future pathway. Amen. Verse 15, but notice this, he who is spiritual, who is obviously being governed by his spirit judges. That means to discern or to know. He discerns or he knows all things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has no lack of ability to reveal to you what you need to know. What he just said was the guy who understands how to operate through his spirit man and receive things spiritually, he has the ability to discern all things because he's tied to the one who knows all things. Are you listening? Read on. Yet he himself is rightly what? Judged or discerned by no one. Judged here doesn't mean to judge somebody in the sense of judging them to damnation. So back to my example of the loaves and, and the fish and the 5,000 that were fed. What do you think those boys were thinking as they actually had Jesus telling them what to do? They're discerning or judging in the eyes of God that this man's crazy or whatever he wants us to do is absolutely ridiculous. Because well, See, you can't rightly discern him. Why? Because you're thinking out of your brain. 
You're seeing it from your natural man, not from your spirit man. If they had saw it from the spirit man, could you, could you see it if Peter would have picked up on it? Yes. Come on, you know Peter, right? Because he talked up to everybody, right? If Peter would have picked on you know what Peter would have done, right? Peter would have said, John, watch this. This is going to be cool. Wait till you see this. I already know what's going to happen. Well, tell me. No. You just have to see for yourself. But he didn't know. I said he didn't know. None of them did except Jesus. But had the Spirit revealed to them, had they hard, had a heart to hear, guess what they'd have known? Watch what happens when he gives thanks to this, uh, for this food to God and we start distributing it. It's going to supernaturally multiply. Jesus already knew that. Amen. Jesus isn't going to somehow hope or wish, maybe somehow, God, we can spread this out amongst 5,000 people. He already knows it's going to be enough. So understand, you and I have to learn this, that we have to know how to see and receive from God things through our spirit man by the spirit. Watch this, verse 16. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? I'll give you the answer, nobody. You don't have the right to tell God how to do things or how to live or what he should or shouldn't do, even about your life. He knows more than you. But notice the last part of the verse. But we have the mind of Christ. What he's saying is you can know what he knows, but not for the purpose of telling him what to do. You're not going to tell the Lord what to do. He's the Lord. But you can know what he knows. Isn't that an awesome verse? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability, not mentally in our brain, but the ability to know. Mind just reveals knowledge here, understanding. We have the ability to understand through our spirit, man, what Jesus knows. Isn't that cool? I said, isn't that cool? Write this down, number two, and I'm going to show you how to do it. You want to get this down, all right? To walk this out, number two, you must make your relationship with God a daily priority. Make your relationship with God a daily priority. I'm going to explain how you do that and why that's important and what we've been talking about. You must make your daily relationship with God, you must make your relationship with God a daily priority. He's the one that knows everything. He's the one that reveals everything by his spirit. He's the one that knows what you're going to face. Well, what if your relationship with him isn't a daily priority? Don't expect to have things prepared ahead of time uh, in your heart to know, excuse me, what he's prepared ahead of time and what's coming. Come on, somebody. Because not only is church important, but what about when you leave church and you're home on Monday and then Tuesday? And maybe you're smart enough to come get a midweek fill-up if you don't have to work on a Wednesday, but then you got Thursday and then you got Friday. And then you got Saturday. If you think about it, church is one of the least things you do in your life as a believer. A lot of people, oh, we just, you people go to church all the time. No, if I went to church all the time, I'd be there every night. But it's not what you do the most of. Are you listening? But what you do need to do the most of is walk with God every day. Your relationship with God has to be a priority. Well, if I have a relationship with God, I don't need a pastor. If you go get relationship with God and you really get to know him, you'll turn around and say how stupid I was to ever make such a statement. Because you know what God's going to reveal to you? You need a pastor, boy. You need a pastor, girl. Well, I got you. I know. But you also got a shepherd that I gave you to help you. And without him, you can't fully mature and grow and be equipped like I want you to be. So understand this. You and I have to do what? Make our relationship with God a daily priority. How do we do that? So I want to go back for just a moment again. I want to go back to this previous verse. I want you to see this. Verse 13. Again, notice this. Verse, let's back into verse 12. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We have been given by God, causing us to be born again, a new spirit, and the Holy Spirit to do what? To freely reveal to us all things. 
to reveal to us all things that have been freely given to us by God. Bottom part of verse 13. How do we get these things? Comparing spiritual things to spiritual. In other words, I have to pick them up in my spirit. I got to get them through the spirit. Say, I got to get God's direction, God's insight for my life through the spirit, in my spirit. You might want to write this down because this is the key to walking with God. You got to get from God by the spirit what God wants you to know in your spirit to walk with God. If you don't, you won't walk with him. But you've got to get what God knows by the Spirit. How am I going to get it? By the Spirit. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that's going to reveal these things. Right? It's the Spirit that's going to reveal to me all that God's prepared. By the Spirit, I'm going to know that. But to know that, I've got to do what? Get it in my spirit. I've got to get from the, the Spirit, in my spirit, what God wants me to know. Simpler way to say it. I got to get from the Spirit in my spirit what God wants me to know. If you do that, you're walking with God. Amen. If you walk with God every day, you'll do that. Another way to say it. If you walk with God every day, guess what? You're going to get by the Spirit in your spirit what God wants you to know. Because otherwise, you're not walking with God. You're living out of religion. Many are. Not a relationship. But if you're walking out of relationship, guess what's happening in that relationship? God's a spirit. And by God the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit who lives in you, He's going to un- reveal into your spirit what He wants you to know. Amen. If you walk with Him every day. Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? So go with me please to John chapter 1. So how does God do this? How does He do it? Well, we can use the example of the disciples. Really easy. We could use the example of the initial disciples. If you understand the walk of of God with the initial disciples, you understand that was a model for me and you. That was something for us to learn by. Right? Yes, no, maybe? Let's look at this. John chapter 1. So again, it's the Spirit that's going to reveal these things to my spirit of what God's already prepared for my life, what He already has for me, and what He wants me to know about for my future. He's going to reveal these things to my spirit by the Spirit. But how? How's that actually going to work? How does that actually take place? Do I just pray? What do I do? What is, how, how am I going to get into this daily relationship with God to be able to hear him and know and sense and realize what it is he's trying to speak to me? Look at John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, word and the word was with God and the word was God. Notice this again. Read it again. Verse 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was Verse 14, same chapter, and the word became what? I want you to remember that statement because he's about to talk about it in John 8. A lot of people miss this. Because in John 8, he's going to talk about this same exact thing right here in verse 14. The word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So he knows in the rest of the verse, he just knows he's relating to us this word is Jesus. This word is Jesus. So you and I need to understand how did disciples finally get revelation in their spirit of what God wanted them to walk out as it related to their future. I'll tell you how. They live with the Word every day. How did they have a relationship with God? The Word was with them every day. See, a lot of say, well, they were with Jesus. Define Him what the Bible says He was. He was the Word that became flesh. As they're walking with the Word every day, guess what God's helping them to do? Even though they're not born again, trying to get them insight to understand what they're going to have knowledge of in the future once their spirit gets born again, he is actually walking with them every day as an example for us. 
How many want to walk close with God and know everything about what he wants you to know about? You're not going to do that without the word of God in your life daily. This is how God has never changed. This is how God is going to have relationship with you is through his word. Through his word. In the Old Testament, he had relationship people, relationship with people through things that had been recorded of the law and written down. But the ones that he walked close with, obviously, he spoke to them directly. He don't do that today in the New Testament. He does it through the Word. We now have the Word. The Word came down here. The Word came as flesh for you to do what? Have a relationship with God. How am I going to have a close, intimate relationship with God? Through the Word. If I have a close, intimate relationship with God, what am I going to know? Everything God wants you to know. But you're going to have to know it not by your brain, but by your spirit. John chapter 6. Go a little further. John chapter 6. You still with me? Are you getting anything today? John chapter 6. This is why you need to understand the significance of the Word of God in your life. Not as a religious form of what you do, but as a relationship with God that you build and work on every single day. God's Word is God speaking to you. But He doesn't speak to your brain. He's trying to speak to your spirit, man. John chapter 6. Are you there? Verse 48. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. What is He? Tell me what he is. And what did verse 14 say he is? The word. Can we, so here's how you can actually say it, and you're not adding or taking any away from the Scripture. I, the word, am the bread of life. Amen. You want the bread of life? You want the bread that brings Zoe? You want to feed on the very bread that brings understanding of the God kind of life that he has for you? It's going to come through the word. I'm the bread of life. Notice this. Your fathers ate manna, talking about natural food. They ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. Meaning what? Natural food can't sustain you. But the word can. Notice this. Verse 50. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. In other words, they may walk in what you're about to see as eternal life. And that's not life lived forever. We're going to let the Bible interpret what eternal life is. Not what you and I think it is. Religiously, we've been religiously brainwashed and not New Testament taught about some of these things. To walk in eternal life, whether you know it or not, is to walk in a close relationship with the Father and know exactly what He wants for your life. That's walking in eternal life. Watch this. This is the bread which came down from heaven. That manna uh, from heaven didn't do him any good. Verse 48. Uh, 40, uh, excuse me, verse 49, but verse 50 is talking about him, the bread of life, that you may eat of it and not what? Not die. I am that living bread. What is he? The living bread. Okay, and what is he according to verse 14? Word. He's the word. So where does this living bread come from? The word. word. Yes. I, the word, am that living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, yes. what do you got to do if you want to get a hold of eternal life? You got to eat this bread. Yes. Not just one time and get born again. You want to walk into Zoe life of God? You got to feed on this kind of bread. Because if you're feeding on this kind of bread, you're hearing from God. God's telling you exactly what you need to know by your spirit, man. Watch this. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is what? Is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. His flesh represented him, the word. Being made available for us by his flesh, him coming here and dying in the flesh. He made it possible for us to have the word. Amen. 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 
52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Because once again, this is a spiritual truth. So their brains are going where everybody else's brain would have gone. They're now thinking cannibalism. Well, how are all of us going to eat a piece of his flesh to live? How are we going to do that? How are we going to preserve it for people down the road? That's what they're thinking. 53, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. How do you do that? By being in the Word. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood. How do you drink His blood? Get saved. You get born again, then you start eating of the flesh. You get born again, you start eating of the Word. Start feeding on the Word. Come on, somebody. If you don't, you have no life in you. 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has what? Tell me what they have. They have eternal life. You got to be born again and you got to do what? Feed on the Word of God. What, What is this eternal life? Read on. And I will raise him up in the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. So if we eat his flesh and drink his blood, you drink his blood by getting saved, you eat his flesh by feeding on the word of God. And if you do that, guess what? You stay connected as one with him. You walk as one with him. You're walking in what he has for your life. You're walking in what he planned out. Drop down to verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself, his disciples complained about it. He said, does this offend you? Boy, the word's offensive to a lot of people. Church attendance is offensive to a lot of people. Come on, giving is offensive to a lot of people. There's a lot of things the Bible teaches that's offensive to a lot of people. If it offends you, you're going to miss out. Verse uh, verse 62. What then if you should, uh, notice see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, raised from the dead. 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh does what? Notice this. Underline it. The words that I speak to you, what are they? Tell me what they are. They're spirit and life. Who is it, 1 Corinthians 2, that's going to reveal to us all that God's prepared? The spirit. Where does that, how is that done? Through the word. Because he, the word, those words are what? Spirit. That's how you get into your spirit. What God has for you. That's how you walk in relationship with God. Without the Word in your life daily, forget about relationship with God. But you can't do it with just your head. You got to hear it with your heart. Now talk a little bit about that, but I just want you to see this. The words that He spoke are spirit and they are life. How am I going to have revealed to me what God has for me? The Spirit's going to reveal it. So where's it going to come through? The Word of God. His words are spirit. Yes, no, maybe. John 17, moving on. Come on, John 17, he said, you want to walk in eternal life? You got to do what? Drink my blood. You got to be born again, but you also got to do what? You got to feed on my word. If you don't feed on my word, you won't have eternal life. That don't mean that you won't be born again and go to heaven because that's not what the Bible defines as eternal life. That's what we've defined it as for years, but that's not what the Bible said. What does the Bible say eternal life is? Let's read it. John 17. You're still with me, aren't you? Verse 3. Listen. And this is eternal life. Wow. Jesus himself is going to define it for us. You ready? You can get no better definition from anybody than God himself to tell you what it is. This is eternal life that they may know you. This is a prayer, by the way. Excuse me. John 17 is God. Excuse me. Jesus now talking to God the Father praying for us. So here he is talking to the Father, and in verse 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life that they may know you. Know who? Know the Father. 
and the only true God, excuse me, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How are you going to have daily close relationship with the Father and Jesus? There's only one way. It's through the Word. What is that known as? Eternal life. What did he say back over there? In the beginning part of the book of John in chapter 6, how do you get eternal life? You've got to be washed by the blood, and you've got to do now what? What do you got to do? I've got to feed on the living Word. I got to feed on the word. I got to get it in my spirit, man. Because if I get it in my spirit, man, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to my spirit what God has already prepared for me. I'd like some amens on this. And that means what? I'm going to be able to walk out what he has because I already have eternal life relationship with God. Eternal life is knowing the Father. Eternal life is knowing Jesus intimately. And if you know him, you're not going to have any problems knowing what's coming down the pike. This is why, number two, you got to make your relationship with God a daily priority. How do I do that? Through the Word. How are you going to fellowship with God? Through the Word. The Word is what? Spirit. What does the Spirit reveal to us? All things that He's already prepared for you. You want to know why a lot of Christians aren't walking in what God prepared for them? Because they don't know how to read the Word. Or they don't spend time in the Word developing a relationship with God. This is not for you to read and just say, I read three chapters today. This is for you to spend time with God. This is a relationship. This is a relationship book. It's all about me sitting down, hearing in my spirit, man, what the Father is revealing to me. But I can't know what the Father is revealing to me apart from the Word. Wigglesworth was an incredible apostle of God who walked with God and walked out what God planned for his life. And Wigglesworth made a powerful statement. I can't come to know God by my experiences. For those of you that have had experiences and say that's helping you to know God, you're wrong. There's no verse that says you come to know God by experiences. I can, Wigglesworth walked with him. You want to talk? Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Wigglesworth knew his God. Wigglesworth walked with him. He said, I can't know him through my experiences. I can't know him through my mind. I can't know him through the natural circumstances of life. I can only know him one way, through his word. It's only through the word I can come to know my God. And Wigglesworth lived in the word. But it wasn't just to have a bunch of head knowledge. It was to get God alive, speaking in his, God already alive in him. Get, get God, uh, get, excuse me, revelation of what God was speaking to his spirit man to reveal to him what he wanted to know. So you and I can't just read the Bible. We've got to hear it with our heart. We've got to hear it with our spirit, man. Amen. Any amens on that? Amen. But again, notice this uh, very clear. John 17, verse 3. This is eternal life. What is it? To know the Father and to know the Son, Jesus Christ. Down to verse 6. I have manifested. Prayer goes on. I've manifested your name to the men you've given me. What does he mean he's manifested his name? Name represents who the person is. So what Jesus is saying is, I've revealed you, Father, to men. I've revealed you to them. They know about you because I revealed you. Whom you have given to me, I've revealed you to those whom you've given to me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. What have they done? They've kept your word. Now they know, they've noticed this. They've known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I've given to them, whoa, whoa, back up. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from How did they know that? Through the word. Verse 8, for I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them. What did they do? They've received them. And have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. 
I pray for them. I do not pray for the world. Why? Because the world thinks the word of God is foolish. But for those whom you have given me, for they are what? They're yours. Drop down, please, to verse 16. Notice this. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Say, I'm not. The moment you're born again, you're not a mere human anymore. You're not of the world, you're of God. Watch this, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is, what are we being sanctified from and what are we being sanctified to? Sanctified means to be set apart from something to something. I'm being set apart from the way the world thinks and the way the world lives to a relationship with my God to know what God wants for my life. And there's only one way that happens, through the Word. Without a daily time in the Word, you are are literally limiting God's ability to help you in this life. Because the only way He's going to reveal all things of what He's prepared is through His Spirit. And how does He do that? Through the Word, because His Word is Spirit. And you got to get it alive where? In your spirit, man. Now, I could take time to go on and preach for another two hours on how to do that. But I only have time to show you one more verse this morning. Go to Revelation 2. The teaching here is not about how to read the Word. I've got teachings on it. The teaching here is to understand that if you want to do what? Be fully equipped for what's ahead. Do you? If you want to be fully equipped for what's ahead, I'm going to know you better make your relationship with God a priority every day. How do I do that? You better open your Bible. And you better learn how to get your spirit in tune with what God's saying through the Word of God. Because that's how He, by the Spirit, is going to reveal to you, your spirit, what He's already prepared. What He's already made available. What He knows you need to know. Amen? Amen? A lot of people don't know what God knows simply because what? They don't take time to build relationship with God through the Word. He is the Word. Now, understandably, some have tried this, didn't know how. Some didn't know to, and some actually are better at reading the Bible even than those who walk with God because they make it a religious exercise, not a religious exercise. It's not to say, hey, I read through the Bible this year. Okay, but how much did God speak to you out of it? How much did you get from God out of it? Because if you didn't get nothing in your spirit from God out of it, all you got was a bunch of head knowledge. And that don't give you any revelation of what God has for you because spiritually things are spiritually discerned. They're not discerned by your head. So in Revelation chapter 2, this is the church in the times of John the Baptist, a letter that God gave John on the Isle of Patmos, that he had him write seven letters to seven churches of their day. So this is being written to the church. This is the church literally at Ephesus who had left their first love. God was once a priority, he is no more. And he tells them in verse 4, notice this. I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do what? And do what? The first works. In other words, go back to doing what you were doing when you first got born again. You know what they were doing? They were feeding on the Scriptures. They were feeding on the letters that had already been written, as well as the Old Testament. But they stopped doing that. Notice verse 7. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what? Come on. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what? Not what the Bible... Not what man said. What is the word? It's spirit. Don't misunderstand me. When I use the term Bible, that's a human term we've given to the scriptures. I want you to get the clarification. I want you to get the clarification. Not he who has an ear to hear what the Bible says, although it's coming from the Bible. We need to hear what the scriptures are saying. We need to hear what the spirit in these pages is saying. We got to pick up our Bible to do that. But again, he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
So God himself is going to reveal by his spirit, the word, say the word, to your spirit, say my spirit, everything he's already prepared for you, everything he knows is going to happen, everything he knows you need to do, if you simply build daily relationship with him. God wants to help everybody to know everything about their tomorrows and even what they need to know today. God wants you to hear from him more than you want to hear from him. No, he don't. Yeah, he does. Why am I not? Because you really don't really want to hear from him. Because if you did, you would. He wants to speak to you. He's not trying to hold anything back. He wants to reveal all things he's provided. Can I get a better amen? amen? But I must do what? I must make my relationship with God a daily priority. How do I do that? Through the word. Now, this is a whole separate teaching in itself to talk about how to read the Bible. But let me just throw it out there in closing. When you read the Bible, you got to quiet your mind. Meaning what? You can't sit there and let your mind wander and think about other things. Because for your spirit to pick up on what God's saying, you can't get distracted in mind listening to other stuff. You're not trying to reason it out in your brain. You're focusing on it with your mind to know and obviously recognize what you're reading. But while you're doing it, you're listening quietly with your spirit. And here's how you know you need to go back over something. You read it and you you literally don't even realize what you just read. You need to go back. You need to read that verse again. But if you don't have a daily time in the Word, you don't have a daily relationship with God. You listening? He's the Word. He's the Word. If you want to walk in daily relationship with God, eternal life, you got to do what? Receive the blood and eat the daily food. Got to eat the flesh daily, which means the Word of God. You got to feed on that Word every day. But when you do, you got to listen with your heart and you got to get your mind focused on what you're reading. If you allow distractions to come, I'll guarantee it, you're not allowing your spirit man the ability to pick up on it. You're allowing your mind to carry off other directions because it's got to get to your mind for your spirit to pick up on it. You listening? And that's why taking things that you read in the Bible that you know are significant nuggets about who you are, what you have, and what you can do, and meditating on them helps you get them in your spirit, man. Helps you get revelation of it in your heart. But if you want to walk in all that God's prepared for your future, guess what's got to be a priority, folks? And see, that's why I was careful to not actually say that what you got to do is make this a daily priority. What did I say has to be a daily priority? Your relationship with God. Because if it's just the Bible that has to be a, a priority in my life every day, you could just say, okay, okay, I know, Pastor. I know. I know. I got to read the Bible. You know, Pastor did say I got to read the Bible. So I got to read the Bible today. Get through my chapter. Good. Glory to God. Turn the TV back on. I'm done with that. See, you never, you never had a relationship with God in that. You just simply wanted to get through what you felt was what you had to do as a form of an exercise of trying to please God in some way to say, I read the Bible. God don't want you to just read the Bible. God wants you to hear from Him. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.